Welcome to 1991 Movie Rewind, a podcast where we watch and review every movie released in 1991, from the all-time greatest classics to the critically panned and everything in between. We will rediscover forgotten fan favorites and uncover hidden gems as we explore the depths of direct-to-video. Join us in our celebration of the fun, unique, and diverse films of this highly underrated year. This week, we watched Fight Back to School. joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind. In Fight Back to School, Star Chow, played by Stephen Chow, is the leader of a special unit within the Royal Hong Kong Police. When the latest drill reveals his inability to keep his team safe, Star risks being removed from the force. Captain decides to test this young officer's skills through an undercover mission instead. Star must work to recover missing firearms that are hidden within a school by posing as a student. Screenplay by Gordon Chan and Barry Wong, directed by Gordon Chan, and released in Hong Kong on July 18th, 1991. Well, I think this is probably the first movie where I know the answer 100%, <laughs> but have you seen Fight Back to School before? No, I have not. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it ever got a U.S. release officially. And so the only reason it's on this list is because it is watchable through... Uh, well, at the time, it was YouTube was the only way, which we do count as a viable option as long as there's English subtitles and there's no crunching of the picture or speeding up of the video. Um, and now it's on Haya, which is a relatively new streaming service. Um, so yeah, I don't think it was seen by hardly anybody in the U.S. unless they imported DVDs or Blu-rays, which is also an option. I've seen some Hong Kong movies. Most of my experience with that is Jackie Chan, which I think we've mentioned past podcasts before. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know. What do you think? Uh, It it was... I mean, I liked it, but I wish there was more fighting. Yeah. It's like this weird mix where it's like, it's enjoyable, but there's not enough like story to keep you enthralled with the story aspect, and there's not enough fighting to keep you enthralled with the action aspect they focus a lot more on the comedy side than i thought they would have yeah which is fine i just i don't know if that's like on purpose probably yeah i mean this movie is one that makes me want to watch more uh of this director's movies yeah yeah, just more hong kong movies in general from that era because it seems like a lot of them either go super serious action or they go playful, silly comedy route mm-hmm. like this, you know, or, or you know, parody. Um, and Stephen Chow definitely tends to go towards like the, the funny, goofy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, to, you know, a lot of the people that we're going to see in this movie would be following him. And, you know, it's a very small circle of people within the Hong Kong cinema world from what I was seeing in the credits. And so, like, a lot of them are just, you know, cross-pollinating into all kinds of other movies. Um, But, yeah, I kind of want to see, is this an anomaly or, you know, are there more action sequences in future Stephen Chow movies or is this par for the course or am I just used to Jackie Chan where it is much more of a action base where... You know, the choreography and the fighting is part of the humor. Like, I don't know if it's just different styles or just, you know, what. Um, But yeah, this is definitely meant to be a comedy. And the opening sequence is probably the best example of it, in my opinion. So, like, when when the credits start up, you know, there's a lot of close-ups of, like, guns being loaded and, you know, putting on the gloves and sunglasses and getting ready for this big, important mission and then like shortly after that you know it shows you know the the team like getting ready to infiltrate this base and then they're stopping to put in eye drops or they're stopping to put on chapstick and like you know Mm. they're doing these complicated hand signals and all this kind of stuff and just makes you know gives you that mix of like goofy and and uh serious right away and sort of sets the tone for it and then i think where it really kind of like goes over the edges like they're they're there to like rescue a hostage and at this time we don't know that it's like a fake 
Yeah. Uh, like a test. Yeah, we don't know it's a test. We don't know <laughs> like the, the deaths are, are just, you know, fake or whatever is part of the test. And so he rescues the girl, and she's like, wow, you're really good at this, huh? And, like, he's, like, pushing her away. He's like, stop. Like, yeah, yeah, like, he's no, like, okay, <laughs> leave me alone. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, like, that little... <laughs> that little moment where it's like no get stuff ew go mm. you know that that's kind of what uh solidifies it for you but is it is a really solid sequence too just in terms of like direction and um you know some of the the fight scenes and the gun work i thought was pretty well done in that too so after the first scene uh we go right into another one of what i think is probably one of my favorite jokes i think all of my favorite moments of this movie are are at the very beginning and then at the very end uh-huh yeah um, because he's, you know, we, it's revealed that it's, uh, a test mission and that he failed because his entire crew died, even though he rescued the hostage and it was technically a success because the hostage lived and was mm-hmm. rescued through the, like this thing where he sets up his gun and fools the, the enemy and thinking he was right around the corner and he like props up his gun and then sneaks around back, uh, which I thought was going to come into play later on in the movie, but spoiler, it doesn't. Um, but yeah, he's like, he's about to like lose his job or get, you know, demoted. I don't know. I don't know if it's fully made clear as to what's going to happen to him as a result of this, or if he just isn't going to get a promotion. I'm not fully sure. Um, but they go to like, you know, put the disqualified stamp on the papers and he stops it by like, you know, rushing his hand in and his hand gets stamped and then... You know, he tries to stamp it again, and he puts his other hand in there, and then he does it yeah, a third he time, and he throws yeah. his whole head in there yeah. and stamps his face. So, like, those are a couple of my favorite points, and now you know the joke before going to see the movie if you haven't seen it before. Um, but the plot is very loose in this movie. Uh, they don't really care a whole lot about story, I don't think. I don't know if you got that impression or not. Not really, because it's just like a funny scene after funny scene. Yeah, it's like, okay, let's get to the point where we can set up this scene, and then who cares about anything else, right? Like, let's just throw up it's some kinda, I mean, yeah, random we... excuse to get you into the school, and like, who cares how good it is? Let's just get you into the school. Yeah. But, I mean, there are other movies where it's an adult undercover at a Mm -hmm. high school that have been made yeah like 21 jump street is probably the most right obvious u.s example it's just yeah they don't say anything about like why he's there or whatever or why he transferred it's just like here's this new student coming in and then you know he doesn't he hates school yeah yeah it's a very very loose premise it's uh, the chief is like i have this gun that i used to have i was on a mission it's very sentimental to me and i lost it at the school i can't just go back to the school and tell them when i lost right. it because so i'd be too you, embarrassed like, so can you please out. infiltrate this school as a it's student like a and very find it for me simple <laughs> so. i don't know so like even story like, yeah. yeah like so like even like the over-the-top premise is part of the joke and it's like sort of letting you know like don't care too much about the plot because we don't take it seriously clearly either um the chief by the way was played by the writer barry wong mm. i don't know if you looked that up or realized that so yeah he was a actor and writer he had done hard-boiled uh Armor of God, Twin Dragons, which we've talked about when we were talking about um, Double Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so he's also been in a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, but he also passed away shortly after this movie, honestly. He passed away in January 1st in 1992. Oh, that so, sucks. Um, anyway, his last role was a movie called Yester You, Yester Me, Yesterday, which is an interesting title. Just looking through the credits, it just made me want to like watch a lot of these different movies. It's just you know, catchy, catchy titles for movies, and I have no idea what they're really about. But a lot of them are about like cops and ghosts and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So he plays the chief. 
Yeah, and then uh, Star Chow, he doesn't want to study. He's like, I became a cop, mm-hmm. so I didn't have to study. I don't want to be a student. I mean, don't you have to go to school to I don't know. be a cop? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm, I'm sure you have to do, like, a police academy type yeah, of thing. Yeah, I mean, but, there's police academy. But, like, you're not studying, like, history and geography and chemistry and stuff like he is in this movie. I know, but you still have to study and take tests. Yeah. And he doesn't want to do any of that. No. Well, I know... <laughs> I know that he... I mean, just like... Yeah, any class. He's... he's Like, any time they have a test or anything, he's either trying to cheat or... Like, even later on in the movie, he's just, like, paying people, like, hey, just write my papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's paying them off. He's like, yeah, I need your homework. Let me give you money. Yeah. And then at one point he's trying to cheat on a pop quiz by having uh, the janitor, who is also an undercover cop, helping him with the answers. And like he's like calling on yeah. his cell phone <laughs> I mean, to the police department, and they're all looking up stuff. To yeah, help him and then pass this and they're quiz. like, he's calling. Yeah, he's calling his boss and the police department, asking them, you know, history questions, and. You know, no one in his yeah, <laughs> police department know the answers, so yeah. they're like looking through their old yeah, history old books, I guess, they that they have. Since internet's not a thing, right? <laughs> so, and then, yeah, they're the like relaying. Like, Nobody knows this in this forest. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's probably the funniest. Yeah, it, it's bit a good scene or joke because that's yeah. a really long scene, but it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's really long. And that's one of the things that was interesting about this movie. Not always good, but at least interesting, is that they really draw out scenes until basically, like, I don't know if it's all scripted or if they just let them or like until he improv gets or wing it. Caught and, or, I don't know. Or, until or just until they run out like, of gags. Yeah. You know, it's like, let's think of every possible gag for this scenario. And we're going to let this scene run out until we've exhausted them all. And then we'll move on. Because they do that in the beginning as well, like with the. Uh, like when they're throwing like the erasers right, at, at his him. head and stuff and keeps hitting him and yeah there's a lot of scenes that are really long or when he's um, when he's getting punished for not studying or turning in his homework like he, you know just yeah. him like standing outside he, the classroom he wore, with signs. yeah he's wearing a bunch of signs and on Haya, they don't tell you what these signs say. Yeah, we watched it on Haya uh, primarily. But we had to. They don't have the subtitles We had to for watch stuff. it on YouTube to find out what these signs were. Right. What was written on these signs? Because it was a that was also another long scene. The other thing is, um, this movie's like dubbed. Like I don't know if it was like Cantonese into Mandarin or Mandarin into Cantonese. I would, I mean, yeah, it's weird because it did look like it was dubbed, but I mean, it would, it should be Cantonese, but I don't know why they would dub Cantonese onto Cantonese, but it's, everything just seems kind of off on the audio soundtrack. Yeah. So, okay, well, yeah, the, the sign where he's wearing random sign, and then, you know, the sign when we were watching and trying to find out what the signs were said... Even the translation didn't really make sense. Yeah, the YouTube translation, the YouTube subtitles were not very good. So we probably didn't get those jokes. Yeah, there may have been jokes in there. I'm not fully sure. So <laughs> pick your poison in terms yeah. of what translation you want, I guess. Right. You're going to have something that might have a little bit more broken English or less context. Haya seemed to be pretty accurate in terms of that than what we saw in the YouTube stuff, but it won't have any translate uh, translation for the written yeah anything stuff. that's written they, there's no translation so there's that but then yeah that whole part i mean i didn't think it was not funny i just i was like i don't get yeah what's funny <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm not sure if it was like yeah more specific other than oh didn't hand in homework yeah because it just said to the teacher because it the signs what we were reading or were translated in english were just like did not do homework Mm -hmm. still has no homework and then 
another longer one that I forgot. I don't even know. Yeah, it's something like talking back to teacher or something. Yeah. Something along those lines. So very basic punishments. There was right, no... and then he's, the last time that he's wearing a sign, he has to, he has to, like, carry two books, like, one in each hand, and then he's standing on one leg, and then he also has, like, a chair on his head, like, trying to balance all that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's supposed to be the comedy. Yeah. Just, like, the crazy punishments that this te- these teachers are giving him. Yeah, the exaggerated... And for I, not I, doing homework. I also think part of the joke was supposed to be him trying to avoid the glance of Miss Ho. Yeah. Who was, like, in they're... charge of the class... Like, the supervisor of that grade, I guess? Or, you know, that segment of the class? Uh, and She's also like his a... crush. Yeah. Um, She's, like, a tutor slash, like, counselor? I guess so. I don't really, yeah, I don't really know the dynamic. Because, um... Like, she's not a teacher. She doesn't teach any classes that they're in, but she's in charge of the class. So whatever that might mean, there's no American equivalent that I know of. It's, whenever he did get thrown out of class, he would go to wherever her office is. But her office really isn't an office. It's just, like, an open classroom yeah, or one time it looked like it was in the teacher's lounge area. So maybe she didn't something. even have, like, she just hangs out in the school. And they're like, go see Mrs. Ho or, or Ms. Ho. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what did you do today? So she's trying to help him, you know, study. Right. And he sort of does because he's kind of has a crush on her well he has a crush on her yeah Yeah. and he has to study because if he gets kicked out of school then he fails the mission and basically loses his job fully for sure yeah so even though he wants to quit so there's like a part where he's actually trying for for like a bit yeah and getting mad and then he starts to pay people off yeah (laughs) so um in the middle of all this is the the janitor uh, which is uh, who the school affectionately refers to as Uncle Tat. Yeah. I don't know how long he's been installed in this school, but it turns out he is also an undercover police officer. Mm-hmm. I guess they're for the same gun mission. Yeah, to help him? <laughs> I mean... he had been there for a long time. Um, and uh, Star Chow is technically Uncle Tat's superior in terms of the the police force and so you have this weird dynamic where sometimes they're talking in public and uncle tat calls him like sir oh yeah it's like a you know form of reverence and he needs you know they try to like they try to switch like power dynamics yeah they cover it up yeah and usually through violence towards Mm. each other like hitting him or something uh but then uncle tat also is faking uh parkinson's disease to get out of doing more work so he's like shaking his hand all the time mm-hmm. to pretend like he has a disease, which makes it tougher for him to do a, a, his job. And so he's just basically like hanging around the school and also chewing yeah. on sticks to, <laughs> yeah. to quit smoking, which I don't know if... No, he does smoke at one point. There's a good gag with the bamboo, mm. the bamboo pipe near the end. Um, so yeah, he's just sort of there <laughs> to be like uh, the comic relief. Yeah, as it, well. Yeah. Yeah. Star Chow, uh, Stephen Chow's character is basically like the, basically like the straight man, and then yeah, Uncle Ted is like the goofball. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. And then you have some of the students too, but the students. One thing I wish this movie had more of is personality within the students. We get to know Turtle Wong a little bit. Um, played by Gabriel Gabriel Wong. Um, which is, okay, here's a weird thing about Hong Kong cinema, if I can sort of, it, I, I noticed that there's a lot of trends in terms of um, character names and also just subject matter in movies. So Gabriel Wong, he's also going to be in Fight Back to School 2. Uh, there was a 2 and a 3. Yeah. Right? Um, but like virtually every character that he plays that I saw on IMDb, he plays like either a nerd, understandable I guess, uh, a driver, or someone named Tortoise or Turtle. I mean, I don't know if that... I mean, was it with the, the same director and writers? I or? don't think so, no. Oh, I don't know if that's like an inside joke. And Uncle Tat, you. like almost all yeah. of his roles, 
or many of his characters are somebody named Tat. Not related to this movie, just, you know, just a lot of them just happen to be named Tat. And a lot of these characters are I mean, is Stephen Chow always known as so-and-so Chow? Because he's Star Chow. Maybe, but I mean, that would make a little bit more sense just because it's, you know, like a surname. But like, Turtle? That's not a surname. Maybe that's his nickname and he's like, just use my nickname for everything. I don't know. It, It was just odd. And I'm curious as to... If anyone knows more about how these things are like Hong Kong movies done. from the nineties, yeah. Uh, the other weird thing about Turtle Wong is that he's also a composer for the nineteen ninety one movie Scheming Wonders, uh, which I believe is might be on our list. I don't remember. Not a lot of not all of the Hong Kong movies are on our list, but so he's not only an actor, but he also does some music. But he's really the only one that we get to know. Um, Star kind of takes him under his wing a little bit to tutor him. There's like a weird... Right. Star is not a good student. Yeah, but... But he like fakes it to the level where, because he's like paying everyone uh, to, you know, do, do his, his homework, homework and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Miss Ho thinks that he's improved a lot and asks him or he offers to uh, tutor Turtle. Right. <laughs> and then basically that, that form of tutoring comes again in violence by smacking him on the head whenever he's like not looking down at his book. and Right. Like he goes to his house because his mom, th- like this part, like yeah. he goes to Turtle's house. Yeah, they say mom in the movie, but the credits on IMDb indicate grandma. Oh, okay. So I don't know which one's real, but. Yeah, but he goes to Turtle's house and, you know, is like, just read the book. I don't know. Just like, that's his tutoring style. Just read. Here. Just do this. Yeah, look at the book and read. And anytime he looks back or up, and if you look up, you smack him on the head. So he's, and then he, like, the grandma or the mom is watching this and she's amused by this. So then Star is telling the grandma if he picks his head up, just smack him again. Yeah. (laughs) And then she's just like constantly smacking him on the head. Yeah. It works. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's his tutor style. I don't know. <laughs> that's how it goes. But that's about all we get. Like, we get a, a couple, it's just, like... Yeah, like, random vignettes of funny scenes. Yeah. I mean, I, my mind kept going back to, like, Billy Madison with this movie. Even okay. though Billy Madison came later, it was still, you know, an adult going back to school and having to prove something or do something, right? Yeah. Um, this is obviously different because he's trying to blend in with people of the same age group and instead of like working his way up the ranks in elementary school like in Billy Madison but um, you know it's still like you know you have the teacher dynamic and the crush and then you have um, you know the, the the class of students around you and and you get to know a little bit more of the classmates in Billy Madison than you do here and they definitely focus so much on the school aspect rather than like the mystery or like him going off and trying to find the gun like yeah, that never happens that doesn't happen until it kind of is brought up yeah this, it's another example of how the movie doesn't really care about the plot they're like let's just stuff as many jokes as we can because uncle tad's basically like yeah i know where the gun is i just didn't want to say anything because i didn't want to like Ruin your like, school experience? Fight. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I, I was afraid, like, I was too afraid that of getting into a confrontation and dying, but now I guess I'm ready to die, so let's go. That's basically how it went. <laughs> it's like, no, it I, just, know, I know where yeah. the gun is. Let's go get it. Like, yeah, it's not him, all, like, cha- like, being challenged by having to go through high school all over again and learning, relearning whatever, history, math, yeah. science... And then also trying to find this gun. It's just like him trying to figure out school for like three quarters of this movie. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, well, you still have to find this gun. Right. <laughs> that's basically what it is. <laughs> I was honestly expecting was him like, to what, try to like sneak uh, around in places. That's what I saw he was going to like get into stuff. Or like and, ask people about the gun. And that like doesn't happen. Yeah, either. like maybe he got friendly with Turtle and he's like, hey, do you know anything about whatever a gun right. being noticed or sighting or whatever i don't know like it's never brought up until and (laughs) until like almost the end it's like oh yeah you need to still find this i mean but we as an audience know where the gun is because they introduce a rival gang 
who is trying to deal with machine guns and they happen to also come across that police issued firearm and they're worried about the implications of having you know a police weapon on them Mm -hmm. in addition to the the machine guns so we as an audience know where it is but we never see steven slash star investigate any of that yeah (laughs) so um that's odd um but yeah like because they spend so much time in the school like we get little introductions to a couple of the teachers but most of them don't come back to really pay off other than the individual scenes, like the uh, the chemistry teacher who's completely absent-minded. Yeah. You know, that's a good sequence, but another one that's really long. Because um, how many times can you ask somebody what their name is over and over again before it gets a little bit too old? Right. Um, but, you know, aside from Turtle, like, you see, like, a group of, like, four or five, six kids around him, and you'd think you'd, you know, have some more interactions or conversations with them. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't happen. We do get some interaction with Miss Ho because that's something that, you know, you need to have a romantic interest, I guess. Um, and Miss Ho, they all take, like, a field trip at one point. I yeah. don't know exactly where they're... It seems like they're just in a park. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really I don't know. know exactly where they're going. Um, but they're off school grounds. And so Star's talking to Miss Ho, and all, like, the kids are with their girlfriends in the park. And Turtle Wong's girlfriend was playing Game Boy, and I think it's like the second movie that we've come across where there's been a Game Boy in there, and I mm. want to know what's in these Game Boys. What they're playing? Yes. Oh, As someone who's like trying to beat every Game Boy game, I focus my t- anytime I see like it. I want to know. know what they're playing. But we'll never know. So yeah, I think if I'm my running tally regarding Henry, the daughter had one, mm-hmm. and now this movie. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Miss Ho. (laughs) (laughs) You gonna (laughs) make a list on the website? uh Times. If we had like, uh, like, I don't know. I had a really tough time getting screenshots for regarding Henry. So if I can find a way to get a screenshot of that scene of her playing, then I'll have like screenshots accompanying the Game Boy. Yeah, Yeah. look for it on the website. Zoom in on her. Yeah, but I just couldn't even find that scene like on because I didn't have the full movie I could pull from. When we it's on did the Amazon. episode, when when we rent when we did it before it was a rental, so we didn't. Oh. The rental was gone by the time I had my oh, screenshots. Okay. Anyway, a little behind the scenes knowledge there. Um. Anyway, they're in a park. Miss Ho is talking to Star. Um, they're bonding over what I, I really don't know what they're talking about. All I know is I remember that uh, they're talking about Miss Ho's boyfriend, who's a cop, and supposedly she hates cops. Mm. unbeknownst to star you know unbe- you know she doesn't know the star is also a cop yeah so so that's the key takeaway of the uh of that scene of the field trip scene mm. it's a little bit of bonding playfulness asking how old he is because he seems a little older i don't know how old he's actually supposed to be in the movie but he says 18 going on 19 in that scene yeah i don't know so i don't i don't know uh, they're in, I don't know what age range they're supposed to be. I'm assuming basically high school. Um, he's, according to the movie, he's transferring from England College to, to this place, or Edinburgh College. So I'm assuming that basically is like equivalent to high school for us. Uh, yeah, I mean, because, okay, this is something that I looked up because I, you know, they have British Hong Kong. Do you know about this? Yeah, I mean, British, uh, Britain owned hong kong for for a number of years yeah yeah for until, 100 years for until 1997 yeah so yeah that's what i was looking up so i was like okay their schooling is probably similar to british schooling which right so he's going to quote college but college in britain is kind of like a secondary it's kind of like junior senior year of okay. high school that's so it's like just those college couple. yeah it's just like the two years before you get into university sure they don't call yeah they don't call college they, yeah. yeah they don't call college over there college it's just university mm-hmm. college over there is 
what this is, which is like the last two years. It prepares you to, for university. Yeah, and that's sort of how it should be used in the U.S. too, because there is distinctions between actual universities versus like colleges, a college. yeah, which are also you know both are post high school, but we don't really make that. But where were we going with that? Oh, 18 going on 19. So, yeah. like, still seems, like, kind of old for that type of year. Of I think also, um, I, I get this from watching Skins. Okay. <laughs> because, I, I know, because <laughs> they're in college, and I, from watching that, they were, like, 16 to 19 aged kids or you know teens or whatever so maybe college kind of extends to like what we would consider to be our first year of university it could yeah because when i from what yeah because when i was first watching skins however many years ago they were in college and this is before i knew about the difference between college and university but i'm like wait they're like 16 17 18 And that's when I had to, you know, find out the difference between college and university. Okay. Um, So, yeah, they're between 16 and 19. You could be in, quote, college over there. And it did not throw any red flags towards Miss Ho, so Mm. they're good. Um, And they remain good, for the most part, until near the end, where Uncle Tat gets temporarily abducted. Uh, yeah, from that gang. Yeah, it's so like the gang is there. Because, uh, okay. Small little plot thing. Turtle starts the Star Gang at college um, and starts collecting production money from all the different students. And then the rival gang, led by Teddy Big, uh, wants to, you know, like, start things, start trouble and stuff. And so, um,. Yeah, before they go and get the guns and everything, they're actually actually like close to leaving to go get the guns and stuff like that. But um, yeah, he gets abducted temporarily. He gets like a bag put over his head um, while Miss Ho is at their place. Uh, because we didn't talk about this, but at some point to sort of like add to the cover, they say that Uncle Tat is the father of Star Chow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that becomes like a whole, like... Yeah, like, there's like a whole thing where like, oh, you kind of look like each other. Yeah, there's all kinds of like madcap well, stuff. Because, he, you know, they he gets in trouble and the only way to avoid him getting into trouble is to basically... I think that's where, I mean, that's the part where Tat, Uncle Tat, is helping him cheat on that test because... Uh, He's just sitting outside of that classroom, and he has, like, an apple, a banana, a car, like, a little toy car. Right. Because he's trying to get the answers, and then he'll throw up an apple through the window, and yeah. that gives Star the, um... And they're communicating in- through, like inclination. A beeper, basically. Yeah. <laughs> the inclination, like, oh, the answer is A. Oh, A for apple. Yeah. yeah. And then B is... When he throws the banana up, it's B. He throws the car up, it's C. But D... He didn't, uh, Uncle Tat didn't have anything for D or something? No, no, he barks he's, like a dog. Oh, yeah, he barks like a dog. <laughs> it's like D. Dog, dog. D for dog. So, it's yeah, like he's barks. out there barking, and then that's when, you know, teacher, he gets caught. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the teacher comes out and catches it. Yeah, yeah. He's so like, what is, yeah, because, like, a... <laughs> like, I mean, the teacher doesn't even see Star, this is the fun, I don't know, it's, I mean, I know this is all a comedy and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, the teacher doesn't even see Star A on the phone, B on the beeper, no. like, cheating this entire time. Yeah, talking into his hand. Yeah, like, he's, like, pretending that he sort of, like, has his head down, but, you know, he's talking to his hand, into his hand. Like, it's obvious that he's cheating. Right. And the teacher is not paying any attention to that until Uncle Tet starts barking out the door. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what's going on? Yeah. And then, you know, they get in trouble. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> the cover. Is, the, the cover is Uncle Ted is the father, and that yeah. also like you know leads them to say that oh that's why they're living together right now, not because they're both undercover in the same case, but you know that they're related. And so Miss Ho is there to visit for whatever reason. Uncle Tat leaves them alone because he thinks that they're going to be 
getting it on with each other. Mm. He misinterprets the situation and like leaves a condom for him. Mm-hmm. And then like le- getting kicked out of my own house, I guess. And so he like, he just walks out and then he got, you know, gets pulled into the alley with the bag over his head. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's like a scene with the condom and the mix up and they all leave. Um, and that's when like the gang jumps star. star yeah. uh, I mean, they probably figure out that he's a cop. That's, yeah, that's when Miss Ho figures out that he's a cop. It's because they're talking about things and, like, they mix up their language and stuff. And then Miss mm. Ho's like, okay, no, I get it. Like, you're a cop. Whatever. So, like, she's, like, mad that whatever. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> she's supposed to keep it secret uh, the best that she possibly can. Um, by the way, I just want to take a moment to just talk about, like, how good like the physical comedy is in this mm-hmm. movie too like S- Stephen Chow especially like not just I think okay if we're comparing the two people who I've seen in Hong Kong cinema Jackie Chan is better in terms of, like physical comedy in terms of yeah. fighting and comedy combined but uh Star Chow like he knows how to separate those two things and just like his facial reactions too mm-hmm. it's just very he he has a rubber face without being like over exaggerated, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's just really interesting to watch and see him, you know, do his thing. And then Tad is just, you know, a giant goofball teddy bear type of character. Mm-hmm. You can't help but love him there. Um, but yeah, now we're getting to the end because they basically just kind of say, yeah, screw it. Yeah, I knew where the guns were. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. go get them right <laughs> uh and so they go into like this parking garage type of structure and there's this um truck that has not just the police gun but also all of the other like machine guns that they're planning on selling to a terrorist i think it is <laughs> um and so star gets in the car and like hijacks it and like books it out of the parking garage assuming that uncle tad is in the car as well but he's left behind they go to the back of the school this is where i was like where are they because everything it looks like a kindergarten classroom where everything is very well before that when they when when they the the rival gang calls them like oh i have your guns or whatever like Um. give me my guns and i think he says like meet me in the back of the school but it's basically like an open field Mm. Right? And so, like, they meet there. Um, before they get there, they, like, douse it with gasoline and whatnot. Um, and then, like, he beats up a few more guys. Um, no, he says, okay, yeah, all your guns are in there. And they all go into the van or whatever. And then he, like, lights it mm-hmm. and, like, blows up the truck with some dudes in it and then fights some other guys. And then they run to the school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the way the reason it kind of looks like a kindergarten room, like you were saying, once they get to the school, is um, they're setting up for some sort of like a party, like a you know like a holiday event thing. Yeah. And it's like a, a fair, and they've built like this really really intricate maze in I guess the gymnasium area. I don't know, but it's like a massive area because it's a long, it's like a large maze, and that's where like the climax of the movie takes place. Yeah. Uh, in the road to peace, like it's, um, it's like a cultural fair type of a thing. And that's like one of the English words that's on there is like road to peace. And it like, you know, leads into the maze and that's where all the violence happens. It's in the road to peace. Mm -hmm. Um, centerpiece of the maze is like this giant, uh, room that looks like something you would see in, um, Takeshi's castle, you know, most most extreme elimination challenge where it's, yeah, that's very, it's like cartoony yes yeah it's like a way to do like a scooby-doo thing while still making it realistic yeah yeah so you have like this big giant circle and then a bunch of doors that lead to somewhere um yeah so yeah a whole bunch of like revolving doors and so people could go in one door and then come back through a different door and you know just makes it a lot more realistic and that's where a lot of the action happens is using these fake doors to you know revolve and be a you know a vehicle for comedy and it works really well and like all the kids get involved too like they have a bunch of like fake guns 
and they're chasing after these people with real guns. <laughs> but one of the kid has a real gun. And I forget exactly how. I think like one of the bad guys got beat up and left it on the ground or dropped it or died and left it. At one point, one of the kids gets shot in the leg and they have to drag him off. Um, and yeah, so they're like all being basically like held hostage at some point. Um, and at this point, I don't, I don't really fully know what the gang leader wants because the guns are blown up. I think he just wants Star to come out so he can be killed. Beat him up. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Beat up or killed because he's, you know, if you don't come out, then I'm going to start shooting all these yeah, students. Like, yeah. Don't think I won't do it. I'll give you till the count of whatever. Um, and at this point, uh, the chief comes through. Yeah, <laughs> like a machine Scissor legs. gun. Scissor legs, they call them. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which is such a good little line there, too. Yeah, and he goes <laughs> through like a machine gun just mowing down all I these mean, guys. I mean, like, missing, so missing everyone except for the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just not really looking. He just comes in, barges down the door, and starts shooting, not even caring who he's going to hit. Yeah, talking about the sequence doesn't do it justice. It's really... It's it's funny how it works out. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't sound very badass. We're like, man, this is like the most badass moment of the movie where like this, you know... I don't know how old he actually was, but, you know, he looked like he was like late 40s, 50s. Yeah, he's got to be in his 40s. He's taking all the uh, the glory away from Star, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, but yeah, eventually Star has to like save the day, or in tandem with Scissor Legs, um, and then yeah, that's that's about it. And then at the end, he gets the girl. He gets Miss Ho. Yeah, and I mean she. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's another funny little sequence too. After, yeah, after he saves the day, you know, all the kids, well, the students, I don't want to say kids, because they're all just, like, teen. Yeah, yeah, they're all, like, 17, 18 as well. I think it's, like, a couple days later, though, technically. Yeah. Or or definitely not that same day, because she's dressed differently. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then they're all calling him, you know, like, oh, you're... A yeah, star, <laughs> star, you're a star. Yeah, and they're or saying like, their goodbyes yeah, and stuff. And... Like thanks for saving us, blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden, this like music starts, like sexy music or mm-hmm. whatever. And then Miss Ho, she's dressed up in jeans. I don't know. And like leaning seductively towards like the gate of the school. Yeah. Yeah. And then. And, and then, then all the students are like, like "Whoa!" <laughs> <And> <laughs> they all make like a face, like "Whoa, look at this hot woman!" <laughs> like, "Oh, you're so lucky!" Like Miss, yeah, Miss yeah. Ho is hot for yeah. like they've never seen her dressed up in like <laughs> tight jeans or in a shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she was basically wearing the exact same thing. Every yeah, single yeah. Day. She probably and they're like, "Oh, you're so lucky!" Uh, and yeah. that's kind of it. That ends. It. <laughs> and then you get bloopers. Yep. We were trying to de- de- to remember if this is the first movie that has full-on bloopers during the credits. Because I think we want to see bloopers. Yes, especially in comedies. Yeah, I think that's the last time we talked about bloopers. I think we were like, how come there's no bloops? Yeah, probably. Like, we need some bloops. Yeah, and we got some bloops. We got bloops. And they're decent bloops. Uh-huh. There could have been more bloops. Maybe there is more. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think that's, we definitely talked about everything in the, the, the plot. plot that we need to talk about. The one thing I didn't talk about a whole lot is the score, the music in this movie. Yeah. Is like way over the top, goofy, crazy. It's, it's like the type of music that you would see on YouTube for like those animal reaction videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or just kind of like music that they play. For America's Funniest Home Videos or, you know, Definitely. that type of It's, it's that sort of, yeah, like music. someone, um, or, yeah, like silent movie accompanying soundtrack where, you know, like the music is It's like a slide whistle and then, I don't know. Yeah, oompas and anything <laughs> crashing plates i don't know <laughs> right. i don't know yeah, i don't think it went that far I don't know, but yes yeah, it wouldn't be that far off uh, by the way so this is the weird thing the music was done by pong wong 
but this is the only credit that Pong Wong has on IMDb. So I'm wondering if that's just like a fake name mm. type of a thing for somebody who didn't want to put their name to it. Um, or is it like an aggregate effort where they did maybe just like source music from other people? Or is it like Cam? Right, like Cam. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like, uh, So there's this movie called Pieces, a horror movie from the 80s, which is amazing. The music is absolutely amazing. And it's credited to Cam, who is not a real person we found out. No, like. it's just like an amalgamation of random yeah. artists. So, so there is no Cam. There is no Cam. But this is, Pong Wong is the cam of Hong Kong. Of Hong Kong. So, whatever. Uh, it's still, it, it's, the music is really fun. It's obviously goofy and, and meant to be exaggerated and over the top, and that's what it is. Um, other cast and crew that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, first, I, the director, Gordon Chan. Um, a lot of these movies I just don't know, so I apologize if I'm missing some favorites for anyone who's really into the scene um but gordon chan has also done uh, fist of legend and the medallion those are probably the most well-known u.s movies uh or ones that have come over here uh, i already talked about barry wong who passed away in 1992 um we have stephen chow uh we talked about him just in terms of like you know assuming that you know who he is but you probably know him from kung fu hustle and shaolin soccer those are the two biggest hits in the u.s that came through about 10, 12 years later. Uh, in 1991, we'll see him again a few times. He's in Fist of Fury, God of Gamblers Part 3, Legend of the Dragon, and Tricky Brains. Okay. So these people are very busy, and they make a lot of movies each year. Um, and they all make movies together. So we're going to see a lot of these same people in some of these same movies. Um, Man Chung was Miss Ho. She got her big breakout uh, in the movie God of Gamblers, which was a Chow Yun-Fat movie. Um, and then she was also in All for the Winner, which is a parody of that movie, which was Stephen Chow's big breakout hit a couple of years prior to this. So she, I don't, I don't know if she was parodying her own role in God of Gamblers, mm. um, but All for the Winner was like the big you know, breakout for Stephen Chow and the crew. Uh, Chow and Man Chong did about 10 films together between 1990 and 1994. Wow. So we'll see them together, most likely as love interests in most of these movies. Uncle Tat, uh, he passed away kind of recently, uh, February 27th of 2021. Um, he is basically, uh, again, to compare to Jackie Chan, and I apologize if I'm just going back to the same well a whole bunch, but it's the best I know right now of Hong Kong cinema. Uh, he is basically the Sammo Hung to Chow's Jackie Chan, meaning like he's the older, you know, bigger, wider set sidekick mm -hmm. in these movies. He's just not as active in the martial arts aspect. Um, but yeah, they partnered up through a bunch of movies as well. Uh, but Uncle Tat, played by Mantag... I don't know how to pronounce this name. Montag Ng. Um, he's been working since like 1975, and he has worked with Jackie Chan as well in things like Miracle, the Canton Godfather, and stuff like that. He's also been in A Better Tomorrow Part 2. Uh, and that's about it, honestly. A lot of these people that we talked about already, and a lot of them we're going to see again in the same 1991 movies I mentioned with Stephen Chow. Uh, the other person I do want to mention... Uh, I noticed at the very bottom of the credits that they have someone credited as the tea lady. Not as part of the cast, but as part of the crew. Mm -hmm. uh, a woman named Young Lin Young. Y-U-N-G-Lin and then Young Y-E-U-N-G. Um, I was just curious about that because I've never seen like tea lady as like a credit for a crew before. So she I clicked on her name. provided tea for... Yeah. But it's interesting I mean... that that's like an actual role. Um, I want to be I, the tea lady. <laughs> but I clicked on it, and what surprised me, and the reason I'm mentioning it, is that in 2018, she won a Hong Kong Film Awards Professional Achievement Award for her service in the industry over the years as a tea lady. As a personal tea woman? Yeah. For so She Hong got Kong recognized for... Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool that they would actually, you know, 
not just recognize the front of the camera people, but you know, yeah, yeah. here's the tea. Like lady. Showing you want respect. A little more. Really cool. Uh, other awards, since we're talking about that, we can tra transition into the Hong Kong Film Awards. This movie did not win any, but it was nominated for a few. It was nominated for Best Director. It lost to Once Upon a Time in China, which we'll see at some point. Uh, nominated for Best Actor for Stephen Chow. Lost to a movie called Ellen and Eric Between Hello and Goodbye which I don't think ever came here, is not possible to watch for us. Uh, Man Tat Ng did get a supporting actor nomination as well, but lost to Hoi San Kwan for the movie Lee Rock. And then the screenplay was also nominated, uh, but lost to the movie To Be Number One. So, regardless, it was still a massive box office hit in Hong Kong. Got about 5.6 million dollars equivalent worldwide uh, but none of that was in the u.s since it never reached the shores in theaters on to true crime and pop culture i believe this movie was released this was released july 18th 1991 was a thursday which was the day before the mike tyson thing okay so i already talked about mike, yeah, tyson, talked about mike tyson a few yeah. weeks ago so i don't have anything but, I mean, I looked up TV that was on Thursday because we, we don't, we have, guide. yeah, we have the TV guide. So, on Thursday night, ABC, we talked about this last week, Faller Dowling's Mysteries was on. After that was a show called Gabriel's Fire. Have you heard of this? No. That sounds like a religious thing. Um. Like, you know. No. Well, it sounds like it could be, though. Like Angel Gabriel and whatever. Gabriel's Fire is an American crime drama that is about a man named Gabriel Bird, who's played by James Earl Jones. Hmm. He was a former Chicago police officer who over 20 years prior, had been wrongfully sentenced to life imprisonment for the murder of a fellow police officer. He shot the officer to protect a defenseless mother and child who the officer was about to murder during the 69 police raid, which the police raid of, you know, Black Panther Party, Fred Hampton. Sure. So this... It's that's, like that's a, that's a heavy yeah <laughs> that's a heavy movie or right. I never so, knew that James Earl Jones did TV like that. Yeah, I never even heard of this like at all. Hmm. But it it only lasted one season. But this is interesting. Where it only lasted, uh, I mean, it it was twenty two episodes, but then they did a revamp version called Pros and Cons. Do you know? pros and cons no but it's just the same character james earl D jones plays the same guy G gabriel bird but he's a cop in la now so like a, the same year One it was uh at the end of night so it was 91 92 huh so they so yeah canceled they canceled Gabriel's this and then, and then started this right away 91 92 unless that was like sort of the plan is to kind of like have like almost an anthology who i just said that I, yeah but yeah that, that was probably like a little bit before it's time or people weren't i don't know they said that, I mean, I'm just reading this That's online, like, yeah. that this was a more, the pros and cons is a more lighthearted version of Gabriel's Fire. <laughs> like, it's like a quote from, like, a TV guide thing. So I don't know if it was meant to be like that, or they were, I mean, critics were like, you know, this is too serious. Yeah, we don't want to be taught about race, and then right. here comes Rodney King and the riots short time after that, and into our faces yep so that was on. you like it or not and then you know after that was primetime live which we talked about yeah. last week and then you know on cbs was top cops which we talked about last week as mm -hmm. well 
And after Top Cops was a TV show called The Trials of Rosie O'Neill. Do you know this no, show? That, that's another one that sounds way too serious for me to have cared. I know. It's, um, this was another show that, only, well, this lasted two seasons. It it's stars, <laughs> right? You know, a drama show, and each episode opens with the person, the character, Rosie, and is played by Sharon Gless. And she is being interviewed by her therapist, but you never see the face of the therapist. Okay. Just had a divorce, and her husband was an attorney, had an affair, left her, and then... She's trying to work in this public... She is also a lawyer, and she's working in a public defender's office for the city of Los Angeles. And it's just... Her dealing with her divorce and then also dealing with work. So it's a metaphorical trial. She's not actually on The trials, yeah. Oh, trials. Yeah. Did you say that initially? Yes. So yeah, it sounds like they're using like the therapist as like a Doogie Howser, like bookmarking, like... Let's just have some narration to set up the episode. And, yeah, and it's like kind of like her... Pointed at the end. Saying, you know, I'm 43, I'm divorced, and, you know, my husband cheated on me. Her, you know, going to an actual trial. Who knows? Right. Like, yeah. like, it's a legal drama, but then also her dealing with her divorce. That lasted two seasons. Okay. I still don't want to watch it. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I watched the James Earl Jones one. I'm curious about that. but Right. And then this, after that, was, it's a miniseries called Golden Years. Have you heard of this? Like the Stephen King? Yes. Sti- it, yeah, okay. Yes. So I, I, the TV guide that we have for the week has, you know, Michael Landon on the cover because it talks about his recent death. But then also in... The TV Guide, it talks about This Week on TV, and it talks about Stephen King's... So yeah, this is an American television science fiction thriller. It's a limited series that aired in seven parts, and it started July 16th, ended August 22nd, 1991. The plot is about someone by the name of Harlan Williams, an elderly janitor who is caught up in an explosion at a top-seek lab where he works, After surviving but discovering he is now, quote, aging in reverse, he ends up on the run from an operative of, quote, the shop. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I've never seen this. I haven't either. This article, it says, This week, Stephen King meets Cocoon in a new drama series. Stephen King's Golden Years is about rejuvenation. It says a decidedly big brotherish agricultural testing facility where a central casting perfect mad scientist is working on experiments designed to accelerate the healing process. His lab blows up, killing two assistants, but not the custodian, who's 70-year-old Harlan Williams. And it's played by the actor Keith Zarbaka, I think that's how I'm saying you will know him because this is how I know him. He plays Detective Herschel Biggs in L.A. Noir. Oh, okay. He does a lot of voice roles. He was oh, he did okay. like Transformers. Yeah, it's always interesting. He was laser beak in when Transformers. You, you look at like credits and you see such massive lists of voice credits. Right. Yeah. But when I saw his face, and then I was like, oh, okay, he's the L.A. Noir guy. If you okay. you know, one of them. One of the detectives. The right. older one. Yeah. So that's interesting because he plays a 70-year-old, but, I mean, he's, like, well, right... I'm sure they started him off in makeup. Like, as and old then, like, and yeah, then yeah. going re- back in time, exactly. reversing. Because, like, now he's not... He's, like, 68 now. Yeah. So yeah, they started he's in him his 30s. Like, you know, like that... Older. America Six yeah. Flags old man makeup. Yeah, old man mask. <laughs> working backwards. So, okay, it's a 70-year-old custodian, Harlan Williams, who happened to be in harm's way at the time of the explosion. Harlan recovers quickly, but his eyes glow a bit. Not to worry, his wife, his wife is played by Frances Sternhagen. 
she was in the movie Doc Hollywood as one of the older ladies that okay. was in the cafe. Okay. It's told it's a short-lived phenomenon, and by the end of this, the two-hour opener that ha- that I guess was this week, Harlan is feeling peppier than he has in years, and you know it's just about him going back into his 30s and then shadowy people want to find out what is making harlan younger and the best way to do this is to perform an autopsy well yeah so yeah i would watch this if it was somewhere it might be and then i mean we're back to fox which is the simpsons True Colors, which we talked about last week. We did, yeah. And then Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah, I Simpsons was on Thursdays for a while. Yeah. And um, on NBC was The Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, and then Wings. So no Seinfeld this time. Because last week, Seinfeld was on a Thursday. I mean, wasn't that still basically like first season of Seinfeld where it was maybe like removed because it wasn't... That was like the third season. Oh, was it third? Second or third. Okay, well, never mind then. So, yeah. And then also we noticed in the TV guide that on MTV, and we watched this like right before we recorded, Mm -hmm. (laughs) was that there was like a one-hour party, I guess, for... on MTV that started at 7 o'clock central time. It was Bill and Ted's premiere party for Bill and Ted's bogus journey. Yes. And there is like a 10 or 11 part thing on YouTube and we watched all 11 parts. <laughs> yeah, someone basically took out all of the commercials and music videos and like movie it's clips just, and yeah. it was just the interstitial stuff hosted by Chris Connolly and Polly Shore. Yes, and it's just them interviewing people in the movie and then the bands that were playing that were also had songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. Most of the bands. <laughs> yeah. That were <laughs> And it's, I don't know, I I liked all of them. <laughs> it was, it's very, uh, it was like Polly Shore just being very awkward with everyone. Yes. And then Chris Connolly trying to do his job. <laughs> <laughs> They're rarely together, though. No, yeah. Because so, yeah. Chris Connolly is actually doing his job and interviewing, you know, random people from the movie. Like, you know, Keanu Reeves, Alex Winters, and then... I mean, then there was... Well, he, he interviews Keith Coogan, who's not in it, and then, like, Isai Morales. So it was just, like, random other actors who were in yeah. the crowd, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and it's very loud in the background. They have hard times hearing. Yeah, sometimes. it's very awkward. But, I mean, Chris Connolly's trying to do his job and interview people. And then they always cut back to Polly Shore, and Polly Shore is just, like, trying to bother all these people random band members asking him if they asking anyone who is in a band like do you have a song on the soundtrack and some of them say yes some of them say no he says it he says it in a different way he's like do you have a soundtrack in the movie yeah do you have he keeps on saying do you have a soundtrack in the movie and then i mean well there's a one part where he's like, oh, there's Faith No More, but Faith No More is on stage playing. Right. <laughs> he's like pretending to... He wants to interview them, but they're like literally in the middle of playing a song, and he's trying to put a microphone in front of the guitarist's yeah. face. It's honestly like... It's it's really A lot of good. fun to watch that. Like, out back in the 90s, you don't get the... It's in- not like structured at all. What what I was gonna say, like, but I, you I don't like really get, it. Like, if you're watching this in the '90s, you don't really get the impression that Pauly Shore is in on the joke. But watching mm-hmm. this now, he totally knows what he's doing. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like he's fully like immersed in like the joke the whole time. It's just really funny to watch him like play up this character the whole time too. Right. It's and, kind of like um, I don't know if Chris Farley based this on him or I don't. You know the SNL skit where Chris Farley's interviewing people and he's like, yeah. hey. Do you remember when you were like in the Beatles? That was cool. That, that's yeah, kind yeah. of like how Polly Shore is. Like he's going up to like Van Halen and yeah, I don't half, know, like Paul Stanley in. from Kiss. Like he's going up to all these like rockers, like Steve Vai, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, 
hey, when I was a kid skateboarding, you were like my hero type of thing. Right. And they're like, like, oh, uh, Half of his interviews are like, I'm not good at interviewing. (laughs) I just want to like hang out and like have fun. Right. And then he just asks them like random questions. Or he doesn't even ask them questions. He's just like, hey, when I was younger, you were my hero. And then, yeah, he just keeps talking until he's able to riff enough to make a bit out of it. And then throw it to a music video and you're done. Right. And it works well. So, I don't know. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, look it up. It, I think it's I think it's officially called like Bill and Ted's Bogus Pre- Premier, Premier Party. Party. And uh, yeah, there's eleven parts. Each part is about five minutes long. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's I not know. it's not a lot to watch. Um, but yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So thirty years ago, you could have seen it in its entirety with with right. no more music videos and whatever else was in there. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't even show clips because they'll be like, here's a clip from the movie. And then they didn't even, they cut that out. But we'll talk more about Bill and Ted at some point in the future. Yeah. So we'll move on to rankings and ratings. So on your one to five star scale, where would you put Fight Back to School? Uh, I'm going to give this a two. A two? Oh, that's lower than I thought you would, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, On my zero to four star scale, I, I... you know, I'll probably put it at like a two and a half. Um, just because, like, if it had, like, more, like, actual plot and, like, character development and, like, stuff like that, as opposed to just, like, I mean, yeah. fest, it would have been higher. I wish it was more fighting. Like, I... Yeah, yeah. Like, I gave Double Impact a two, but I don't want to say this is better than or not as good, because, like, they're both, like... They have... They're even for you? Yeah, yeah, they're, like, even. Because, I mean, they both make me laugh, but this one made me laugh more just because it's a comedy. But Yeah, this is, like, legit. There's, laughs. like, no... I mean, if this is considered to be, like, a Hong Kong, like, kung fu movie, there isn't much fighting until, like, the last five, ten minutes. Yeah, I don't know if it's meant to be a kung fu movie. And I know that, like, Stephen Chow does not consider him to himself to be like a martial artist like uh-huh. he doesn't consider himself to be good at that mm-hmm. so you know maybe that's probably why but that makes sense um so yeah two and a half stars for me in my zero to four star scale uh every movie is worth watching once would you watch it again yeah i'll watch it yeah yeah i would too although i would say i'd probably want to either watch the sequels more than this because there was a part two and a part three and i'm kind of curious as to how they did that i did not look up the plots to find out no i don't yeah i didn't want to look up the plot but it also just makes me really interested to see what else we're gonna discover in hong kong cinema throughout this whole project like this you know i think it's a perfect appetizer to sort of dive into that world so i'm looking forward to that uh but if you out there want to watch fight back to school as of this recording in august 2021 it's available on haya which is also available through amazon prime uh, it's also on YouTube, um, or if you want to go uh, with import DVDs or Blu-rays, it is available that way as well. So always check your local listings. Uh, as for us, you can listen to us on all of your major podcasting platforms. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. It really does help us out a lot. You can am- email us at 1991moviewrewind at gmail.com. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991MovieRewind or go to 1991MovieRewind.com for the full list of 800-plus movies along with show notes and more. Next week, we're going to finish up our school trilogy. We're going to graduate to university and play college football with necessary roughness. It's available on Prime, Paramount+, Pluto TV, Digital Rental, VHS DVD. We will see you then. Thanks. Thanks.